I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. You heard right. I'm back. I'm back. Hey, guys. Oh, welcome. Uh, Good thing, bad thing. Allie, go. Just kidding, we're not at youth group, so we can't go through everyone. So, I'm going to give you one good thing, one bad thing about my week this week. One, we're getting a puppy! Ah, yeah, if you know Marquis and I, we don't do animals normally, but hey, we're getting a little teacup puppy. That's really cute. Uh, bad thing is I had to take a shot of ginger this morning that cleanses my palate that I don't like ginger. Yeah. Um, that has nothing to do with the message. It just helps me get to be more comfortable with you all. Good practice for me to do. Um, so, have you guys ever had a mind-blowing moment? Like someone came up to you and told you, like, the thing that you've been doing your whole life, you've been doing wrong. Like, all wrong. Has anyone ever been to Burger King or McDonald's? And you go there, and you got French fries, and you want ketchup. You get these, these little cups or whatever. Uh, it's, it's a cup that, just, just like that, you fill it, right? And sometimes you need two or three cups because you got to go through most of them. But I'm telling you, you've been doing it wrong your whole life. Your whole life. What if I told you, you open that cup and then you fill it with ketchup and you get more ketchup inside the cup? That's a mind-blowing moment, okay? Uh we learn that we use things in life without knowing what it's for, you know. But if you're like me, you don't care. You're, you're at Burger King already, so you'll do whatever. It's fine. You know, you're always about, like, whatever gets the job done. And that was my motto. When it came to prayer in the Bible, I believe that the Israelites did the same thing. At some point down the road, they started to pray and used it to get the wrong job done. It's like if I said, hey, Bill, go fill this up with ketchup, and then he takes it, puts it on his head. He's like, look, I got a hat. Okay, you're like, you're, you're misusing the whole thing. And the Israelites did the same thing. We're going to talk about the spiritual habit of prayer this morning. We're going to talk about what prayer was, what prayer is, and what it will do. By the end, this morning, I hope to communicate to you and rationalize why You should pray daily. I want to encourage you to do that, and we're going to read from our passage. Welcome to stand up with me this morning. It's Matthew 6, 5 through 13, the New Living Translation. And it reads, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. 
May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I just thank you that we are able to come here together in your name. I pray as we are going through this this series about spiritual habits, Lord, I pray right now that it would be your words speaking through me. Wouldn't it be my words, Lord? I pray that every heart right now would have soft ground to have the seed implanted into their hearts. Lord, that they would hear and listen, Lord. Ears would be open. Lord, I just pray a blessing on everyone in this room. And in Jesus' name, all God's children said, Amen. Okay, wave to each other. Say, what up? Yeah, glad you're here. If you're online, send one of those emojis or something. Even if it's like a pizza emoji, I think that'd be funny. Uh, do it. Barb, talking to you. Okay, uh, no. Uh, so, anyways, before we get into this passage of Scripture, which is so wonderful, I think that we should give some back context to what's happening. Okay, The person speaking is Jesus. Uh, he is giving the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone's, if you've been in church a while, you've heard of the Sermon on the Mount. To give an idea of what's happening, I believe that this sermon was given on more than one occasion. It's only in Matthew 5 through 7, but I believe Jesus spoke it on a regular basis. I believe that when Jesus, when, when it talks about in the, in the Gospels that he was teaching and preaching, I believe this is the message he was talking about. In Matthew 9.35, it says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news. In Luke 13.22, it says, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went. I believe that the Sermon on the Mount is the baseline of what he's teaching. And to sum up this whole sermon, this whole message, it's to those who first want to repent. He's first speaking to those and those, if they've accepted, hey, we want to repent, turn from our evil ways. Well, now he's taking this sermon, this message, and he's, he's taking the law and turning it inside out. He's not getting rid of the law, but he's turning it inside out to show its positive core. It's like, you think of the first person who ever ate a pineapple? That thing looks ugly on the outside, okay? It's, it's a pineapple, but on the inside, it's, it's so delicious. We just bought two of them last night at Walmart. I don't care if I shop at Walmart. They got fruit. But um, anyways, pineapples are delicious. And so Jesus was turning it inside out. And Matthew 5.17, within this whole message that he's talking about, he says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. He's coming to fulfill the law. So Jesus is addressing prayer right now. He's not, he's, he's not coming to abolish the law, but he's trying to turn it inside out. Here's the positive court. Here's what it's supposed to be like. He's come to fulfill the law. I believe Jesus wanted to address some issues with prayer. The first thing I noticed is that prayer was a problem. Prayer was a problem. Now, this wasn't the kind of problem like where you tell your kids, hey, go clean your room uh, uh, when I... It just better be clean, okay? Go clean your room. 
and then they come back and they haven't even touched it. Okay, this isn't that kind of problem like where it's flat-out disobedience. The Israelites are definitely praying. Uh, it says, when you pray, in verse 5 and verse 7, when you pray. So we already start to see that there was a expectancy to prayer in the Jewish culture. They were already expected to pray. They already knew that they were supposed to pray. The problem comes when you recognized how they prayed. Who love to pray publicly in verse 5. And in verse 7, they babble on and on. Now, praying publicly wasn't a bad thing. Okay, uh, I, I just need to address this issue. Like, we just prayed publicly twice, three times maybe already in this morning service. We prayed here right in church publicly. We prayed right before church started. Pastors talked about many stories where he's praying outside with people just at restaurants. I've prayed with people on my route. I deliver the mail, and they, 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 they're talking, we're talking, and I ask if they want prayer for whatever they're going through. Oh, we pray at youth group every Wednesday night. Praying publicly wasn't the problem. Now, I also want to address this other issue, that this repetition of words. When you're repeating words over and over again, it's repetition of words isn't the problem itself either. I find it interesting that Jesus is now not referring to the Israelites. He's referring to the Gentiles, to, to the pagans. Um, they would worship their pagan gods, and they repeated words over and over again. Plenty of times I've come to God saying the same words over and over again. Same words over and over again. That wasn't the problem. The problem with prayer was that, that Jesus was a, uh, addressing here was idolatry. They had an inward focus on themselves. Verse 5 says, where everyone can see them. Right there. Where everyone can see them. They're the main focus of their prayers. And they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating words. Now this tells me that they looked for the approval of men. Just in that first verse, verse 5. They were looking for the approval of men. And I tell you the truth, that all the that is all the reward they will ever get. The New King James Version Verse 7 says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. They, be they believed that because of the repeating of their prayers, that it would be answered with a vain repetition of words, and everything's going to be okay. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. No one? That's cool. Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you know that prayer inside your head, I'm glad you do. But I believe that they, they used it almost like a secret formula to get what they wanted. It's like if you have children, and the children find out the secret to getting what they want. Pretty, pretty please, can I go to my friend's house with a cherry on top? Oh, okay, you batted your eyes, you got me. Okay, like they found the secret formula. And that's what the Israelites did. They were finding the secret formula. So if, if I don't really have to... I just have to say the right words so that I can get what I want. That means the person who's in authority, God, if I say the right words, I could just bypass him and get what I want. That's wrong. That right there is wrong. That right there is the problem. They would repeat words in hopes of getting what they wanted. 
God then just became the middleman, an obstacle to what they really wanted. This was the problem with prayer. They wanted everyone to see what they're doing, and they just wanted to bypass God all in general and get what they wanted. It was a cosmic vending machine. God, can I have this? God, can I have this? It wasn't right. The way we come to God in prayer is very important to God. How we come to God in prayer is important to God. Psalm 51.17 says, The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. It comes to prayer as a spiritual discipline in our lives. We need to start with a broken and repentant heart. We come to God with this attitude. When we come to God with sorrow, with humbleness, with brokenness, we're not going to be rejected. The solution to this problem is our motives. Our motives determine how we pray. Your motive when you come to God determines how you pray. If we're having the wrong motives, you got your reward in full. You need to come to God with a broken and repentant heart. Now, knowing how we should pray, this leads us to another idea about prayer. What is prayer? What is it supposed to be? Prayer is personal. Prayer is supposed to be personal. It's personal. Say the first word that comes to your mind when I say, Please, participation. I'm, I'm hoping you guys got this. First word, three, two, one, summer. Oh, you guys online, you should have heard it. It was so loud. Oh, so many things. I loved it. Yeah. Okay, did I hear campfire? Campfire, yes, I did. Yeah, oh, I love campfires too. Okay. <laughs> I love you guys. Um, no, no, campfires on a on sometimes a coldish summer night, you know, those are really nice. Campfire is just really warm. Now, I didn't get to do too many campfires this summer. Kind of bummed out about it. We've either been at camp or it's been raining just specifically on those nights, like spe specifically for a Wednesday night when we have youth students over. It just hasn't happened, okay, which is fine. But about two weeks ago, we finally got a, a campfire going. Um, we had family over, and it was amazing. We had people over. We got, I played coob toss. I played games. It's what I like to do. I like to be entertained. Okay. And the campfire was really fun. Um, right around seven, eight o'clock, I was the one getting tired. The extrovert over here and my wife was like, well, fine, go to bed. I'm staying up. Like with everyone else. You guys, this is mind blowing <laughs> because I'm like, okay, fine. So I go to bed around half an hour later. Everyone ends up leaving, and I get a text from my wife saying, hey, come outside. I'm like, I'm in bed. She's like, don't care, <laughs> which I love because it's like, she's so sweet. Um, so I get outside, and we, you know, we sit by the campfire. Sit by the campfire, just the two of us. It's nice cold night with the warm fire. You know, we stay out there for about half an hour. We come out inside. It was just a really good time, just between the two of us. What was different at that point, that last half hour, 
and the first five hours of the night starting around five o'clock. First five hours, we had other people over. We had other games going on. We had other things going on. And it was good. It was a, it was a fun time. I love my wife. She loves me. But that last half hour, that was different. That was It just hits different. No, it was something special. My wife wants to spend time with me. And I want to spend time with her. And it doesn't even matter what we're doing. As, as, as long as we're together, and more, actually, you know what, more importantly, it did kind of matter what we were doing because we wanted to sit in each other's presence and just unwind, talk with each other, not doing other things. If I brought my Switch out there, she'd be like, see you later, going inside. She'd be, she'd be angry. <laughs> you know, if I'm not giving her my full attention, that's not what she wanted. Good thing I, I know that I want her attention too, so, you know, we just sat outside, just the two of us. That is a personal relationship between the two of us. Our relationship with God is likewise. Our relationship with God is the same thing. God wants to spend time with us. I think we need to understand our position to God. And that's what I notice in this passage. In this passage of Scripture, we notice our position to God. In Romans 5.10, it says that we were enemies to God. And in Galatians 3.26, it says we are children of God. We were enemies, and now we are children of God. And the way that Jesus tells us to, to address God is as our Father. He says it four times in this passage. God tells us to address Him as our Father. We have access to God. first part of this, this whole thing of being personal is Knowing who you are. You are children of God. Take, just as an illustration to, to, to really kind of let you understand our relationship as children of God and the access we have to him. Think of any famous person you can think of. Just anyone right now. Not just the famous person you think of. Think of someone you want to meet. Someone you're excited to meet. Sometime in your life. Imagine just speaking to them. If it's Winston Churchill, Perry Mason, Little Debbie, I don't care who you want to meet, okay? Any of those people. Um, that famous person, are you imagining them? Of course you are because you're never going to get a chance to actually meet them in the real life. You're never, sorry, that's why you're imagining them in the first place. But um, that person right there, you're never going to get a chance to speak with them one-on-one. -on -one. Sorry to burst your bubble. It's most like, if you do, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. but if you do get a chance, it's, it's very unlikely. You're not going to get that one-on-one -on -one time with that person that you really want to meet. Now think of that person had a child, a son or a daughter. That famous person, whoever you're thinking of, would drop everything to go spend time with their child. It doesn't matter how famous they are. It doesn't matter who they are. They're going to drop everything they have to go spend time with their, their, their son, their daughter because of their relationship with them. They love them. God invites us as children of God to have that time with him every day. Verse 6, it says, But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. And pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. 
Your Father in heaven wants alone time with you. Just the two of you. And not with anything else. And let, let me clarify. I, I do believe in corporate prayer. I do believe in church. I love church. I love community. But as a spiritual discipline, we need to get alone time with God. God wants that. He desires that. That means no people, no technology, even no music. You're like, whoa, Mark, but I thought that's worship music. I thought that's good. Of course worship music is good. I love listening to worship music. If you're a child, though, I would, I would give you the spiritual milk and say, for prayer, go ahead and put on a Hillsong worship song. Okay? I, I don't care. You know, whatever you need to get to that point. But we're adults now. It's, it's time that we eat the steak and pray without the noise. We spend time with him and not the latest worship song. I think that's very important to this idea of being personal. God wants one-on-one time just with us. Now, I believe that there's two pieces to this prayer that makes it personal. First was knowing who you are, but the second is being honest. Being honest. Honesty is important in any relationship. For example, the moment <laughs> that I get angry, my wife knows right away. Because normally I'm playing 24 questions, or 20 questions, 24-7. And when I stop saying things that's in my head, she's like, you angry? Like, fine. That's the cue. When I say I'm fine, she's like, yep, there it is. I stop talking. Like, I just, I know. And it, it doesn't happen all the time. But I would like to say that in the same sense, God knows you too. God knows what's on your mind. God knows what's on your heart. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. God wants you to tell Him everything that's on your mind. And not just the good. I know we talk, I, 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 sometimes we give you guys that fluff or I've, I've heard of it, you know, like, oh, it's all going to be cookies, candies, and rainbows. That's not always it. Life is hard, am I right? Yeah, life is hard. Sometimes we get angry. I've gotten really angry at times. Sometimes life is hard, and God wants us to have that honest conversation with him. It may get loud. You may be in your car, your, your car you're driving down the road, and you're screaming because of how angry you are at the stupid things that are going on in your life. These are angry prayers. And I think King David went through some of those same things. King David also had some of those angry prayers. In Psalm 13, 1 through 4, it says, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. I think David was angry. I think David was frustrated and I think he was confused about life, about what was going on, what is he supposed to do? But that prayer serves as an example of how we can come to God and how honest we can be before God. 
when everything isn't going well, when we don't have the words to say, God's a loving Father, and He comforts those in need. He gives us peace, surpasses all understanding. We don't know what's going on. I like that the rest of this psalm, even David recognizes after he's, he's giving out everything that he has to God, he still recognizes that God is love. He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Prayer is personal. Know who you are. Be honest. God knows you. He knows everything that you're going through. Every frustration you have about life, every frustration, even every doubt that you have even about God, God wants to hear those things. He wants to address those things, and he wants to comfort you where you're at. We don't stay in our doubts, by the way. I just want to, that's a message for another time. We, which it's a message for another time. We can talk about that later. But the God who is in the secret place knows everything in secret. He knows you. The last thought I have on prayer is this. Prayer is going to prune you. Prayer is going to cut the things off in your life that aren't good for you. Sometimes even you may cut things off that are good for you. Before we set out to do anything in life, we usually want to do some type of research uh, on what that thing will do for our lives. Okay, If you want a good car, you're going to research what kind of car you want to get. You know, uh, We have a curiosity in life to wonder uh, what things will do and how it's going to affect our day-to-day lives. Uh, sometimes we have a preconceived idea of what that thing will do. Example. You order hot wings at a restaurant, you don't know exactly how hot they're going to be, but you know they're going to be hot, okay? You know, if you're ordering buffalo wings, you know you're getting some sort of spice. You know what you're getting into, unless you're a child and you're like, ooh, buffaloes, I like that animal. And then they find out the hard way. Okay, that's it. <laughs> no, but my wife bought me a present early this year. That was awesome. And it was these inflatable hammocks, okay? If you think, like, just putting the words inflatable and hammock, like, what are you thinking of? You know, like, you're, you're kind of imagining right now, what does that look like? And at first, I'm like, dude, this looks awesome. I'm excited, but I don't know how it's going to work. After using the product and experiencing it myself, because it came in, like, this little bag, and then when you unfold it, 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 it's, like, from here to the end of that staircase. It's a black bag, and you apparently swing it around, and you get air in it, and then you fold it up, and then it's a hammock. And you're like, right now, after explaining it, you're like, what? How does that work? What does it even look like? But after doing it, I was completely blown away by the results. Look, that's my mom. See? And she's loving it. She's sitting in there, and it's wonderful. And the same is true for prayer. We're completely blown away by the results because sometimes we have a preconceived idea when we come to God in prayer. Last week, Mark Dunn, when he was talking about uh, reading our Bibles, talked about informational reading and formational reading. I think this section has become informational for a lot of us, uh, specifically the Lord's Prayer. It's become informational. The difference is information you're reading to understand or to, to get it in your head. 
formational is how you allow it to change your life. In this idea of informational reading, we know what the Lord's Prayer is all about. It's about God's kingdom coming, His will be done, forgive us, help us forgive others, give us some bread. But now the formational reading comes into play. What does it all mean? Specifically, Matthew 6, 9-10 through 10 says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Might have had the wrong... Oh, did I do it? Sweet, it's fine. Uh, We're praying right here. This section is all about praying that God's will be done in our lives. It's not, hallowed be my name, God, and let my kingdom come. My will be done. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. So many times we come to God in prayer thinking that's what it's all about. That's not it. We're praying that our will would line up with God's will. That means God is going to start to cut off the things that are bad in our lives. Sometimes he cut off things that might not be bad, but maybe aren't producing as much fruit in your life. They're not what God wants you to focus on. About five years ago, I thought I was going to stay in lacrosse forever. Who knew that I was going to get married and moved up here to Menominee? I thought... My will probably would have been to stay in lacrosse, staying where I've always known, but I knew, like, you know what, God? You're going to take me places that I've never gone before. I'm going to let you move in my life. Now I'm here. I think another example is I used to be on the worship team in lacrosse, and I haven't stepped foot on stage, and I'm thankful because God is using me in a different area in life. Yes, I, I have different talents. I, I'm, I'm upstairs uh, doing sound things that I'm not good at. If anyone wants to work with sound, talk to me later, okay? Get on up there. You know, we're looking for help in all these areas, but God was was pruning me right there. I don't need to be on the worship team here. Instead, I'm just doing the youth ministry, and God is growing me, and he's producing fruit there. Heck, I'm even speaking on a Sunday morning. God is moving in my life, and he's pruning. He's cutting things off that are bad for me and other things that may look actually pretty good, but he's like, nope, don't want you to focus on that. Right now I want you to focus on this. When you come to God in prayer, he's going to prune you. We have a preconceived idea of what God is going to do in our lives, but he may have a different plan entirely. Is it scary? Yes. Moving to Menominee with not a good-paying job in the first place and then not sure if I'm going to get a job, that was Huge for me. Is it going to hurt sometimes? Yes. You may have to stop doing something that you love to do. You may have to choose between two different ministries because God is saying, nope, I want you to work on this one instead. And it may hurt at first, but guess what? God knows what is best for you. I know that if I'm praying for God's will over my life, I'm going to be pruned. Even Jesus in Luke 22 Verses 42 through 44, he said, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Even Jesus prayed that this cup would be taken from cup of God's wrath. Even Jesus is like, please God, no. 
anything but that. If there was any other way, please do that. But even in that moment, he wanted God's will done, not his own. When we pray to God, we are asking, when we come to God in prayer, spiritual prayer as a daily discipline, we're asking that God's will be done. Worship team, you can come up. God is going to trim our lives by cutting away dead and overgrown things in our lives. This is going to increase the fruit. This is going to increase the growth. He did this with his own son, and he's going to do it with us. So, in conclusion to all of this, prayer was a problem that is resolved when we have the right motive. Prayer is very personal and honest. Prayer is asking for God's will to be done, not our own. Jesus taught us to have a simple, heartfelt prayer before God, being honest, coming to God. Just think about the first time that you came to God in prayer. Think about the first time that you actually prayed to God. It wasn't after you had Christ in your life. The first time you truly prayed to God and honestly had a real conversation with Him is the moment you asked Him into your life. How profound that moment is to what we're talking about right now. That very first moment is the first moment you came to God with a broken and repentant heart. That is the moment where you became honest with God about your life and what's going on. And that is the moment where God cut off the chains of sin and death in your life. Prayer is a spiritual habit that we need to have daily. Now, I want to leave you guys with this. I like what Levi the poet said. He's a theologian of sorts. And he gives a retelling of Luke and he speaks from the perspective of Jesus. And I want to end this morning with these words. It's a bit of a long passage, but I think you'll bear with me. My bride, do you remember your first love and the feelings you had for me? Do you remember our long talks and the way that you wept with me? Do you remember our long walks and the way that you stepped with me? Do you remember the silence and the way that we'd listen to the wonder I created? And your eyes used to glisten like the stars. I'm just kind of wondering where you are. The times you spend with me are far and in between. I miss you. Please won't you come and make more memories with me. Let's pray. If you're here this morning, and I just want to start off with this, if you've never accepted Christ into your life, if you've never had that relationship with Jesus, and that is something that you want, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Simple, heartfelt, with the right motive. Father, I'm sorry. I've done some things in my life that I'm not proud of. But I know that you have forgiveness 
Lord, I ask right now that you would just forgive my sins. I believe what you've done on the cross. I believe that you died for me. And I don't want to live that life anymore. I want to turn from my sins. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you're online, if you're here, come and talk to someone. Come and talk to us. Before we go into a song of worship, I just want to pray for us. If you're here today and you want a better prayer life in your life and you want more of a spiritual habit to pray daily, not just when you come to church, not just certain times when you're in need of God, but when you you want God to move in your life. Prayer is a spiritual habit that we need. I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just pray for everyone in this room, everyone online, anyone who's hearing these words right now. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them, give them boldness. God, I pray that you would give them discipline. Discipline to do what's most right. Keeping you as a main priority in their life. Lord, I pray that they would understand who they are to you, that they are children of God. Lord, I pray that they would become honest with you with everything that's going on in their life. Lord, you are so good. Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for everything you are. And as we go into a few songs of worship, Lord, I pray that we would worship you honestly. We would come before you knowing who we are. I just thank you. And in Jesus' name, amen.